When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shaka Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, welcome to FN Sports, the podcast with two teachers, great sports, biggest issues. Mr. Ainsworth, how are you doing on this fine Sunday afternoon, sir? I'm doing okay. Uh, we start school this week, and uh, we're starting remotely, but it's a lot of work to get ready for, and so it's been a a busy time here in Dallas. <laughs> How are you doing, Mr. Cummings? We had our first week of school, so we had our opening days and our orientations. And same deal. We're part remote, part in person. It is definitely a lot of work. Friends, hug a teacher. They are working hard. And <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Not in, not in COVID. Don't hug anybody. Not oh, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, that would have put me in detention. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ainsworth, you want to hit us with a – why don't we go detentions first this week? Why don't you hit us with a detention first? All right, I have one detention, and it actually like it might be worse than a detention. So, and this is this is not a not a very <laughs> well known thing going there situation. Right now. <laughs> uh, well, I got to ask, Mr. Cummings, what is the punishment for plagiarism at your institution? Uh, I would imagine that the older you are, the more serious it is. But I would imagine it's something like suspension. We'd probably keep them around. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then I guess we'll keep Tim. Keown around. Uh, Tim is a writer at ESPN, and he is getting a lot of push this week because he published an article on, or he published like a cover story in ESPN the magazine about Lamella Ball, right? Lamella Ball is like the most famous 18-year-old of all time. I don't know if he's actually the most famous 18-year-old of all time, but we have followed this guy's basketball career <laughs> since he was like, you know, a baby basically because of his connection with his brother Lonzo Ball and LeVar Ball, and he's the young one, and he had 92 points as a sophomore, and da 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 And he like dropped out of high school after his sophomore year to go play at first in Lithuania, and then to go play in Australia. And he, while he didn't play so well in Lithuania, he kind of tore it up in Australia. And he is, you know, presumably a top pick or one of the top picks in this year's NBA draft. Which um, we will get to later in the podcast. <laughs> which we will get to later in the podcast. So Tim writes this article for ESPN. It goes cover story viral da, 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 on, I guess, Wednesday, Thursday, leading up to the lottery uh, lottery event, uh, the lottery happening, I guess it should say, where we find out the Minnesota Timberwolves under one pick, right? And it goes live and this, that, and yeah, it's really, really cool. Except there are big chunks of this story that were written in a story back in November on Bleacher Report. 
like big, big chunks about how LaMelo Ball was handling living in Australia and anecdotes from coaches and this, that, and the other thing. And here's where this really came into my attention is the author of the first story with Bleacher Report is actually a college classmate and friend of mine named Marin Fader, who writes a lot of really cool stuff for Bleacher Report. And you ought to go read everything Marin writes. She's really, really talented. But some of these receipts are really, really problematic as far as the connections and similarities between the two stories. And there's no mention of Bleacher Report or Mirren in the ESPN story. So, well, I guess information is information and ESPN's probably going to push back that like, well, the story wouldn't have changed, right? There wasn't a whole lot of basketball being played between January when uh, Tim was over there and now. Like, it just, it just looks icky. But man, it is really, really similar to see these stories being told. And Mirren has followed LaMelo. She went to Lithuania and followed the family around. And she went to Australia and followed the family around. Like, she's been on this for a long time. And so I'm pushing for the Bleacher Report story. Find the Bleacher Report story about LaMelo Ball. It's called The Life of LaMelo. Read that one. Don't click on the ESPN one. Um, but <laughs> I'm going to detention Tim because I guess that's what we do here. But plagiarism's a big deal in schools. Don't play I will kids. say, like, you asked what would a school do. Okay. The school has one response. It feels like a newspaper or a news organization better have a different response. So it might be an expulsion level thing for ESPN. Um, man, that's crazy. Uh, I want to throw a detention out to Major League Baseball. And listen, I've already said I'm the conductor on the train for firing Rob Manfred. The story comes out this week that Trevor Bauer, who's a pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds, got these custom cleats made by a dude here in Lexington. I record from Lexington, Kentucky. True Blue Customs, check them out. So the uh, cleats say, Free Joe Kelly. For those of you guys who are unfamiliar, Joe Kelly is a relief pitcher, plays for the Dodgers, and a couple of weeks ago got suspended for eight games by Major League Baseball for throwing behind a player for the Astros. I think he might have hit a guy for the Astros. And basically, it was this uh, reaction where... You know, baseball fights, you know how they are, right? They clear benches, but no one actually fights each other. So it was one of those deals, and Joe Kelly's talking smack to the Astros, and the Astros talking smack back, and whatever is whatever. But Joe Kelly got suspended. No one from the Astros got suspended. Joe Kelly gets suspended for doing this. No one from the Astros gets suspended for the whole cheating thing. So there's a lot of discrepancy, obviously. And now Trevor Bauer's going to wear these cleats, and Major League Baseball comes out and tells him, if you wear those cleats, then you're going to be disciplined. And it's like, literally, people are getting way more disciplined for throwing at the Astros. Astros for wearing cleats supporting a guy who threw at the Astros then the Astros got and Rob Manfred just mishandled this whole thing so poorly he needs to be fired detention major league baseball or whoever's gonna try to discipline Trevor Bauer incidentally he didn't wear the cleats and then like was lights out in his game that he pitched so <laughs> big up to Trevor what else you got for us, Mr. Ainsworth? Um, I think we're both probably in the same group of people for my next detention, but from different angles. Um, I'm looking at a detention for NBA referees just from a few different standpoints. One, there, and this is a Rockets guide telling you this, so I hope you understand how severe this is. There are <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of free throws being shot and a lot, a lot, a lot of unnecessary fouls being called way far away from the ball. And the same thing, it feels like it's continued, like it wasn't just people warming up in the bubble seeding games. This feels like this has continued and continued and continued throughout the first round of the playoffs that we're in right now. I also feel like there's been several times where they go and review something, and I'll bring up an example in a second, but they go and review something and come back and still get it wrong. Like yesterday at the end of regulation when Steven Adams very clearly touches the basketball on the inbounds pass near the end of the Rockets game. The Rockets are up. If the Rockets get the ball inbounds, get fouled, they're just playing the foul game. Instead, they say the Rockets threw the ball out of bounds. But Steven Adams very clearly, the ball changes spin, it changes trajectory, he chases after it as if he's touched it and they go and review it and still give the ball to Oklahoma City. Like, why do you think Aquaman is chasing the ball down, guys? Like, there's only so many reasons he'd be doing that. Um, yeah, we have more transparency in the sense that we're getting to hear the refs talk about it afterwards, but, like, come on now. Get it right. I'd rather get it right and not hear from you than hear from you all game. Yeah, the, my deal was the Kristaps Porzingis deal, which is, so that game one where the Mavs are beating the Clippers and beating them pretty handily with Kristaps Aluko on the floor, and then Kristaps ends up being tossed from that game. The first tech that he got was bunk because he cleanly blocks a shot then he argues with you because he cleanly blocked the shot and so now you tee him and it feels like you know i heard mike greenberg on espn say it feels like you should be able to go back review that play and rescind his technical foul during the game and yeah i'm all for that and then the second tech that he gets for again we know how sports fights work NBA guys, right? They push, shove, and it's hold me back, right? And like, they, I don't understand why Chris Ups gets that second tech, and now he's out of the game, and that changed the whole momentum. 
And this is a series where the Clippers are up 2-1 now. Dallas came back in one game too. So we only know what the series could be if you leave Kristaps on the floor. So yeah, I'm all about detentioning officials in basketball. I just, I don't know, the, the level of consistency is piss poor. And you're supposed to get the best guys in the playoffs, which is troublesome. Um, I'm going to throw another detention out there to Earl Thomas, who has been released by the Baltimore Ravens for punching one of his teammates during a practice fight. The Ravens are a championship-level team. Earl Thomas was a huge acquisition for them, coming over from Seattle. And remember, he had his issues at the end of the time there in Seattle. Now, I actually am pro Earl Thomas in that case because I felt like they should have paid him and they didn't pay him and then he got injured and now y'all want to pretend like we're friends and it's like, nah, forget that. But now <laughs> we're finding out like you come over to the Ravens and this is how you act and maybe, maybe now we're finding out why Seattle didn't want to pay Earl Thomas because this is the type of leader that he is in your locker room. And so for Baltimore, who's a championship level team, he's still a pretty darn good player for them to say, you know what, we'd rather not have you. We're just going to release you and you do your own thing. After this whole fight on Friday, I think it says something about what Earl Thomas was in that locker room. Um, and so detention to him for just not being the leader that a Super Bowl level team needs, considering that you could bring that Super Bowl level experience to the squad. And oh, by the way, I hear he's probably going to sign with the Cowboys. So he's your problem now, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> you got gold stars for us? Yeah, on a much more positive note. Um a guy that I, back in our NFL draft coverage, everyone knows I really, really liked. But I'm going to have a gold star to Jalen Hurts. So Jalen Hurts got like a, a mom getting her kid ready to go back to school tweeted at him, showing a picture of a blue backpack with kind of script writing across the top that said Jalen Hurts number two. And like the kid, I guess, is a big Jalen Hurts fan or whatever and got his backpack for school. But instead of having his own name on it, the kid put Jalen Hurts number two across the top because that's what the kid wanted, right? And it's a really cute, sweet moment of a six-year-old game for school that tweaked sent out a few weeks back this past week Jalen Hurts is getting ready for Eagles training camp and he takes a picture of his hand like he's holding a backpack out in the Eagles training facility he has the exact same blue backpack with Alexander just the first name of the kid <laughs> and, and and like a script print across the top and they like the exact same looking backpack saying like I'm your fan too kid or whatever and like retweets the mom and I was like this dial back to this like this really really sweet moment that like I don't know like everyone needs us kind of cheer him up kind of things right now and like it you know what makes this little kid's day and everything as we go back to school it's like a super weird time but like now he and Jalen have matching backpacks and I thought that was really cool and so I'm gonna give Jalen Hurts a gold star for being out there for the kids no that's awesome incidentally after we just gave out the detention for plagiarism and Parker talks about this tweet I want you guys to check out the FS Sports Twitter and see who actually gave that a gold star in the Twitter hint it wasn't Parker so whatever is whatever there (laughs) so it looks like I only have one gold star this week and that gold star <laughs> no, I'm going to give a gold star to Nikola Vucevic, who, if you did not see him ball out in game one where Orlando uh, went up against Milwaukee, then you missed out because Vucevic showed up to play. And he's had a great series so far. Now, listen, Orlando's outgunned against Milwaukee. It is what it is. Vucevic, though, last season, I wanted, during the offseason, I actually wanted the Knicks to get this guy. Like, this is a guy who I felt like could step it up in these types of moments. And I think he's showing it in these playoffs. So uh, Vucevic, uh, game one, balled out 35 points, 14 rebounds. And Orlando upset Milwaukee in that game one. So shout out to him for having a big game and for continuing to push in this playoff series where... I get it. It looks like Orlando, maybe it's going to be a gentleman's sweep and it's going to be five games. Vucevic is not the problem there, though. And I love the way that he came out and really owned game one and owned it in the paint going up against Giannis, going up against uh, the Lopez twins and all that great defense that Milwaukee has. So shout out to him. And the truth is Orlando's missing several starters and Isaac and Bamba and uh they're a team on the com man they really yeah, are no, they're like they're a good team that's, that's gonna be fun it's good to see marco Fultz play well uh we're gonna leave the part in where i stole your detent your gold star on accident because that's actually really funny and i don't want to have to edit that out later but my other gold <laughs> star is gonna go to diamond to shields so last weekend did you see the clip of sloppy basketball being played where like doris burke at some point makes a comment like this is like an la fitness at three o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> yeah <laughs> You know the clip I'm talking about with the Jazz and Nuggets and like a minute long and there's like four missed layups and a turnover and it's really, really bad basketball? Okay, you know, I'm going to go look it up now, but I love that. <laughs> it's like an LA Fitness at three in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the comment. Um, so... Diamond to Shields, because she is very Twitter savvy, began retweeting the clip with that playing in the background with things that you typically see bros throw at women's basketball players. Like, 
they should all quit and go get a job making sandwiches or they should never leave the kitchen or they should like she she kept responding and retweeting it with those kind of comments that you see people that really like there's this like weird group of men out there that think that well hey, i go play in the WNBA right now and like they can't no one they can't they're not <laughs> but um they comment on WNBA clips like this like they'll comment and see like a couple missed shots and just assume that that's the entire game when the truth is like we're watching this happens in a men's game as well and so the shields with the constant retweets heckling people that came back at her with it it was a quite a day for her last sunday monday ish on twitter um and really it's just like it was an interesting way to take a stand that like you can't just say this to women's basketball players and have no comments when it happened like it's not they shouldn't be playing to women's players and oh this is just a bad minute of basketball when it happens to men's players so clever and interesting move by diamond to shields shout out to her for shutting people down um trying to talk back about the wobble because the wobble has had some good basketball in it that's the basket the quality of basketball from our wnba players definitively is not the issue the issue is that sabrina nescu got injured and now my liberty i mean geez because <laughs> <laughs> obviously the team was we were bad with her so you only imagine what we are without her although we did end up winning i think believe we won the next game after she rolled her ankle um as we jump into the rest of the pod we are going to be talking about unwritten rules and well i don't want to give it away but i think they're stupid um we're also going to talk about the <laughs> NBA draft and now that the lottery's come out who it feels like is going to end up where and what that might mean for the league and then we're going to wrap up with a discussion about the best nameplates on the back of NBA jerseys in this time of Black Lives Matter and social justice so without further ado Mr. Ainsworth are you ready to go sir ready when you are Shaka all right, Mr. Cummings, our first thesis this week is it stems from baseball, but it's really broader than baseball. So let's let's talk a little bit. The thesis reads sports need to banish all unwritten rules. What do you grade that one as? So here's the thing. Like, I want to give that an A plus 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 plus. Here's what I don't want to have happen. I just don't want anyone to come back and be like, oh, what about this particular unwritten rule? And then when they say it, I'll be like, oh yeah, that's actually a pretty good one. But uh <laughs> like my gut is A plus 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 plus. What about you, Mr. Ainsworth? Oh, I am very much in the same boat. I might say A just to leave me that like if there's one I can't think of at the top of my head, maybe it's not an A plus 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 plus. But like I don't see any problem with banishing all unwritten rules. All right, Mr. Cummings, so you and I both give this a very, very high grade. Why don't you tell us what makes this such an inarguable thesis? Yeah, unwritten rules are dumb. But before we get into how stupid they are, <laughs> let's talk about Fernando Tatis and the ridiculousness that is what happened to this man this past week. Could you imagine, Parker, being a baseball player and hitting a grand slam and then having your coach be upset that you did it? Fernando Tatis, San Diego's winning the game 7 nothing. He's in, he's up at the plate. I understand you don't want to pitch to the man because he's hitting the cover off the ball. And he gets a 3-0 count. His manager signals to him or the hitting coach or whoever, because I imagine he signaled it to the third base coach and third base coach signals it to him, take the next pitch. And I guess the unwritten rule of baseball is you have to take that pitch because the pitcher basically threw a batting practice fastball right down the middle. And so Tatis is like, like you, this is what you're throwing? And then, of course, he jaw jacks it out of the friggin' ballpark with the bases loaded. And now he's being himself. He's celebrating. He just did something amazing. And, like, his manager comes out after the game and is saying, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Because that's, that's bad sportsmanship. And it's like, whatever, man. Because let me tell you, when I'm in that contract negotiation, they ask how many home runs that I hit in 2020. They're not going <laughs> to say that one doesn't count. So whatever is whatever there. But my thing is like the idea of unwritten rules that you have to follow that apply somehow to sportsmanship are some of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. It doesn't make you a greater sportsman in that situation to allow that pitcher to groove that fastball. And here's a perfect scenario. Literally later in the week, <laughs> we have the Phillies playing the Blue Jays. And guess what happened to the Philadelphia Phillies? They blew a seven-run lead. They blew the seven-run lead. Tatis hits the grand slam. He extends the seven-run lead. So seven-run leads, you can lose. So now I'm supposed to stop playing because what now? And literally later this week, someone loses a seven-run lead? You must be out your mind. Of course, Tatis should hit that home run. That is such the most ridiculous thing. You know he was right because all the baseball players who came out to support him, all the greats. Anyway, Mr. Ainsworth, you, however, did not go A++++++. So you have yourself a little bit of room. I don't know if you really disagree with me, but I am curious as to your thoughts. 
My, well, I'm just like, as I go through, we talked about this thesis the other day, and I just spent the week trying to like think up like what unwritten rules are there across all sports, and I haven't hit one yet that I'm like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. <laughs> and so I guess that's why like I'm leaving myself just the plus to be like, well, if I found one, I, I wouldn't argue against maybe. But like, as I look at these unwritten rules in baseball, it's all about this like weird sense of pride. Like you don't bunt to break up a no hitter, or you don't sit and admire a home run, or you don't steal bases when you're up by a lot, or or, you know, the ones that he's broke, or, you know, different things like that. It's like, at some point, these are just, like, fragile ego of the team getting beat. Like, this is not this is not really about, like, some way to play the game in baseball. And it's they're not just in baseball, but the thing in football, it's like, you don't run the score up, you don't onside kick when you're winning, you don't, you know, like, those kind of things. And I think that's all about to have to go out the window as well, because if you got like the if the football game is moving towards more and more guys in the next fifteen years going to play like Patrick Mahomes, they can hang thirty points in like four minutes. You can't just like you can't just be like, well, we're not going to run the score up. Like, no, they're going to score thirty points. You don't run the score up. Like, could you imagine not... if the Houston Texans during that playoff game like collectively just said, yeah, we're tar- we're shutting it down, and now like Patrick Mahomes actually does come back in that game. That's ridiculous, right? Like, <laughs> right. Well, like, but conversely, I'm also thinking like, oh, but like if they kick then onside kicking out the ball back maybe pat mahomes doesn't get it right like like there's just different there's different weird things there um the and like in basketball there's stuff about like you, you're supposed to dribble the clock out when you're got the lead it's like no come guard me like i get paid on stats this is incentive based <laughs> you got to come guard me right or like golf you're not supposed to walk in front of a guy on a green or, or whatever right um this is all that's all bogus to me and i think that part of it is it's like a i said like about baseball about fragile ego of people that are getting beat like you know what the better solution that is don't get beat Right. Don't get <laughs> punked like that. And you don't care. And I've, I've been on the wrong side of as we coach sports. Right. There was one time in my first year of coaching. I'll never forget. I'm not going to cite the school on here because I won't put them on blast too much. But we were getting beat pretty handily in my first year of coaching. I want to say like 30 or 40 points in a football game. And their kid read something and like kicked an onside kick. And like they're up 30 or 40 and he kicks an onside kick. And it was like our whole sideline's freaking out. And I just had to turn and be like, guys, if you don't want him to kick an onside kick up 40, don't let him get up 40. Like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, why are you getting pissed at that kid? He read something that, like, it's, I mean, every football coach has put this in their kickoff now, where if you think you can sneak one, you tell the kid to read it, and he can sneak, if you have a, if you have a clever kicker, right? And the 16-year-old kid kicking just thought he read it and thought he could get the ball back. Like, don't don't freak out. If you're getting beat by 40 by some little <laughs> single play, don't get beat by 40. I, like, I, it just, it's baffling to me. Like, and that doesn't mean, like, I'm not annoyed when it happens. Like, I obviously get, like, oh, he kicked the onside kick and they got it back. No, like, but I'm actually, as a coach, probably more annoyed that we allow the onside kick to be kicked like to happen like, right you know what i mean like cover up the gap like why do we practice this every thursday before the game if you guys are just gonna let that happen like that's what i get mad at the the other thing that's interesting to me about unwritten rules is this is very like history teacher approach to this so maybe we don't sit on this for too long because that might be too teacher like of us but when in the history of these sports were these unwritten rules come up with and who was playing in the leagues when they were right like especially in baseball and we're centering this on baseball but it's certainly not only baseball but like a lot of these unwritten rules were written when the league let's say looked a very certain way to be you know frank here some black people weren't playing in the league there were no international players this is just very very much a white america sport right and like these unwritten rules are like typically about you know keeping honor and saving face and not embarrassing people man bleep that if i hit a home run i am flipping that bat all the way past the first baseman like you don't get to you don't get to tell me that i'm gonna celebrate something dope like that's not how we're gonna do this you know what's uh, funny too like as you have brought that piece up i do challenge folks who are listeners who might have contention with that particular point to go study what the negro leagues were like because the negro leagues did not have those types of unwritten rules and so you'll hear about a guy like satchel page who was a showman on the mound and if he struck out 16 guys he let every one of those 16 guys know that he was striking them out and you go hear about josh gibson who would hit a home run and admire it and like the legends are like he was hitting 550 foot home runs i'd admire that too like that's a lot of work man so like and then there is a a tenor to this conversation that feels like there's some sort of an equity justice diversity piece in there when it seems to be these latin american players who grow up playing ball in their home countries and there's a lot more energy in the games in the stadiums and so that's the culture that they bring to major league baseball and rather than say 
bring your full self to Major League Baseball, we say, no, you got to conform to what we are. And it's like, why would you get this guy who has a a swagger and a flair to his game and then try to tell him, no, you have to be straight-laced and do it this way. You know what? Fernando Tatis, grow your dreads out, hit home runs whenever you want, dance around the bases. It's not my job to tell him how to play the game. It's not my job to say that he has to interpret and feel a certain way about the game. It's your job if you don't want him to dance to strike him out. Get him out and then he won't dance on you. And guess what? If you get him out, maybe you could dance on him too. Because here's what I'm willing to bet is that based on having watched some of the Caribbean League games and having watched some of the winter ball, those guys don't throw at each other. Like the pitcher, you flip the bat. The pitcher doesn't get mad at you. He gets mad at himself for giving up the home run. And if the pitcher does a little celebration to strike you out, the hitter just walks to the dugout, man. Because they understand that that's a part of the culture. So I don't like the idea of these players coming and you saying you can't bring your full self. You got to put this proverbial mask on and be this thing that we need you to be. You got to fit in this box. Whatever, man. I hit 50 home runs a year. Pay me my $300 million. I create the box. And I also think, you know, this is a a thesis about all sports. And so we're talking baseball because that's what brought this up this week. But like... You see that coded language happen in, in the way that basketball has transformed. Like, if you go back and read some of the things that were written about Magic Johnson in the 80s, right? And, like, how the no-look pass was, like, not, well, why are we doing that? Like, is that really what we have to do in basketball? Show up the defense, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to, like, Jason Kidd or Steve Nash or LeBron James today, right? Or Jason Kidd, Steve Nash being in the generation in between. But, like, the no-look pass becomes a tool. It be, it's, it's no longer just showboaty. Like, Jason Kidd understands if he throws his pupils one way, the defense goes there and it changes the scenery right and and so like that coded language in the magic johnson era like basketball has kind of worked through this in a lot of ways there's still some stuff that's too old school but it's worked through this stuff in a lot of ways and is immensely popular now right baseball is having trouble drawing fans even you know i mean obviously there's no fans the stands in any sport but like they, <laughs> that poor teddy having, bear got hit the other day did you see that that was nuts, <laughs> that was nuts. <laughs> but like baseball is trying to gain popularity in this country man i want to see guys like tim anderson cracking that bat and flipping it over and like sell you know throwing their hands around in third like i want to see this kind of stuff on a regular basis that's more fun it's more enjoyable it's about entertainment that's the whole point of this thing is we want to be entertained by our pro sports and part Part of the deal as well is that whole idea of bringing your culture to the table because when you bring your culture to the table, you bring your full self to the table, it attracts different swaths of fans. Like, why are you catering to this one set of peoples around baseball and saying that baseball must be this? When basketball began embracing the cultures of the people who were playing, that's when basketball grew as a sport. That's when David Stern realized, oh my gosh, we can market this to the masses and people are going to love it. Not only can we market it to the masses in this country we could take it internationally and now you get a Luka Doncic who comes in has got as much swagger to his game as anyone the same thing with football football man Billy White Shoes Johnson the dude's celebrating this is the 70s but he's bringing his full self to the table and saying this is how I play ball and the NFL, Deion I mean, Sanders, you got R- Randy Moss. I and mean, I guess a lot of these like guys the are no fun league, fun. and so maybe they're not embracing it as much as they should. But, for the, <laughs> but I mean, I do feel like there's a, definitely a level of acceptance that's come with the NFL. I mean, some of it's annoying. I don't love seeing a receiver get up and celebrate the first down and shoot the signal out there. Like, he, dude, you're just doing the job that you're actually being paid to do. But whatever, you celebrate that. But I, I, I do think that. A lot of folks to bring their full selves opens up the game more to a whole sub different subsets of fans, man. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beers between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So, I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So, maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But... You're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it helps <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. 
absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth. You know, I love me some college basketball. And we had our NBA draft lottery this week. And so now we got a thesis statement pertaining to that NBA draft. It's going to be right around the corner before we know it. The thesis statement is the Minnesota Timberwolves will select Anthony Edwards with the number one pick in the NBA draft. I say that to you, Mr. Ainsworth. How would you grade that? Going with a B plus. Yeah, I'm going to say, obviously I'm very determined and I'm going to say that a B plus. What do you think, Mr. Cummings? So I think I'm going to go A plus, but I kind of get the sentiment of, you know, you do these deals and maybe they find someone. I can't see anyone else who makes any sense. So I'm going to go A plus. Anthony Edwards makes a lot of sense to me. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, you gave the thesis statement. The Minnesota Timberwolves will select Anthony Edwards with the number one pick in the NBA draft. A B plus. So you gave yourself a little bit of wiggle room there. Is there someone who you can envision who the Timberwolves will take beside Anthony Edwards? Or what's going on? Why not an A? So I do think if they sit with the pick that they very likely would take an Anthony Edwards. That's why I went high on the B plus range. Um, Anthony Edwards is a, you know, he's another perimeter player. He's 6'5", 225 big kid you know georgia was poised to do pretty well in the sec tournament and do well in the march madness before all that got canceled i mean let's not go too crazy here you got a kentucky fan on this right <laughs> let's not go too crazy i said well i didn't say when but i said well. <laughs> um no I, I think the bigger thing is that it's also a positional need as you look at their roster moving into next season as opposed to you know Lamelo ball is a popular top three or four pick you know, but they have D'Angelo Russell. Wiseman is a top three or four pick kind of guy, but they've got Carl Anthony Towns. And so if you're trying to add to the team instead of having redundancies there, um, I think that, you know, Anthony Edwards tends to be the guy. Um, my thought is more why well, I want B plus and not in the A range is they have the first pick and the 17th pick. And I could see them potentially moving those two picks to bring in someone who's more like, in their mid twenties and ready to go win right now. Um, you know, they've got Russell and Towns are both currently 24 going on 25. You know, they're both in their second contract. They got Jarrett Cole for a year ago, who I really like out of Texas Tech. Um, they got a Kogi for a couple more years. They've got, they've got a decent little roster now. If they can find kind of that third piece, um, I, I kind of think they'll resign Evan Turner, but maybe Evan Turner goes somewhere else after the season's over. Whenever the, it's not going to be the summer, whenever you want to call the offseason. Um, so I guess my thought is more, can you package the one and 17 pick and move back in the draft and get a guy that can come start right away? Not that you wouldn't start Anthony Edwards, but that can come start and it's in the same age trajectory as Cat and Russell, you know, maybe you'll disagree with me and think the 19-year-old kid Anthony Edwards is like that, but I just tend to think that there's a different tracking. Well, no, actually, you saying that makes me want to shift off of my A+. Like, that actually makes a ton of sense that Minnesota could look to do a deal. Now, the question is, because this draft doesn't have a Zion Williamson at the top, and it doesn't even right. really have a John Morant. I think that both of those guys would be the number one pick in this particular draft. It's curious. I, I do wonder what would be out there. The rumors have been that, you know, D'Angelo Russell, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker all want to play together. And is that enough for Phoenix? I wouldn't think so, especially after the bubble, right? Like, I wouldn't think right. that anything that Minnesota can put together that doesn't include Carl Anthony Towns or D'Angelo Russell is going to be enough to get Booker out of out of Phoenix. Uh, the, the piece, though... That I also jump back to that now I'm starting to question. For me, it was an A plus because Anthony Edwards is the positional fit. He's a two guard. You got D'Angelo Russell. You got Cat. I think James Wiseman's out of the question. There's too many redundancies. Now, I think about a couple of the big guards who are at the top. Mm-hmm. Could you pair LaMelo? Could you pair Killian Hayes? Could you pair Tyrese Halliburton? With D'Angelo Russell and just say, D'Angelo Russell, you are, we understand you have all the point guard abilities, but we want you to be a scorer here. Like, we actually want you to think score first. We'll get one of these other guys who actually can facilitate as well and let them do that and then have that backcourt kind of grow together in that type of a role. I think something like that could make some sense. The other thing that I think could make some sense is actually Obi Toppin. 
That being said, if I'm Minnesota, I'm probably going to take Anthony Edwards, which is why I ended up going A+. Obi Toppin is not getting talked about enough in this draft. And if you watch him, he looks like friggin' Kenyon Martin, who got picked number one overall, then ended up with a broken leg, got picked, and didn't play his whole first year. The Nets still took him, right? So I look at Obi Toppin, and that's what he looks like to me. And a team that has D'Angelo Russell, and man, if you can start running up and down the floor, Obi Toppin is going to be the recipient of a lot of those lobs, and he can defend his position. He's a 6'9 guy who's stupid athletic. It feels like he can come out on the wing and do some defending as well, so I think that he's a good player. That being said, I went A-plus because I think Anthony Edwards is feeling like a pretty sure thing unless there's some sort of a trade so now mr ainsworth we're oh. going to both agree there oh you want to jump in go ahead no i was just saying i think he's definitely the fit if they like if the pick is immobile i think that is the best fit um but i see guys like you know i see i'm seeing top end being projected as later in the top 10 could you trade back in the top 10 top end is not going past four like i can't let me just I, say this i don't know right <laughs> i don't know i don't know i just um, feel like if you get into an evaluative scenario i've seen now you're i got one list guy. with him at six i got one at eight i got i mean i got i think it, it's in part to do with who's got the picks and this kind of thing but what i'm getting at is that you're talking about big guards as well well do you trade you know back into the teens and get like an rj hampton you know a six five guard who also did the international thing a lot like lamello do you trade for that big guard and go get more of a perimeter guy like the kid out of Vanderbilt, Aaron Naismith, right? Um, so I, I don't know necessarily what Minnesota's thinking as far as pairing up a big guard with Russell or whatnot, but I think that they have more because there is no there is no Zion, there is no John Morant. I'd also argue like R.J. Barrett would have been the number one pick in this draft too. Like I, like I don't think any of those three guys exist in this draft as a like clear-cut number one, like the top three was so clear-cut a year ago. If you take uh, Naismith, the kid from Vandy, he's a two-guard, so as long you're fine it's not quite the same thing as i was saying with Lamelo or killian hayes but i get it like positionally he fits as well just like anthony edwards he just slots into the two guard and you can go i will say that obi toppin like i understand what the experts who are on the internet are gonna say you're gonna talk to that kid and he's not going past he if chicago doesn't draft obi toppin i'll be stunned positionally he makes sense he's a he's a guy who played a few years in college so he has a level of maturity and he played a, a year of prep school so he's actually he's a sophomore but he's 21 so he's a little bit older he makes too much sense Chicago they're taking him uh the other thing as well is that it would make some sense for a point guard to maybe go off the board at like four or five Well, Chicago just drafted that last year so in my mind that's where Obi Toppin's going so I don't see Obi Toppin really sliding late so like I don't see Minnesota being able to trade down and get a dude like that but positionally he could make some sense with Cat I, I was going to ask you Mr. Ainsworth like as we start kind of looking at this draft I actually think the next pick is just as interesting as the first pick so I'm just <laughs> curious as to what you think Golden State might end up doing well and so Golden State again sits here and like, could they trade the two pick for Booker, right? Or could they, tra- you know, like, just, I don't think there's anyone on the board that could bring you back a Booker on its own or anything like a Zion might could have a year ago. But you got to think that they're going to be shopping all possibilities because the only reason they're in this scenario is because they were not healthy. As soon as they're back to being healthy, you're going to have the best shooting backcourt of all time. Draymond running the point forward. I mean, that, that's another at least playoff, if not Western Conference Finals ready basketball team, even with the departure of Kevin Durant and Andre Iguodala, right? Um, Wiseman makes sense as far as the 7-1 guy they so often lacked, right? Like they had Kevon Looney. They had Bogut. But they just kind of had a random 7-footer on those championship runs, right? They, that It was a 7-footer that hustled hard and did some things because they played hard. Wiseman brings potentially a different spin there at 7-1. Um, he is a young kid. He played, what, like half a dozen college basketball games last year? I think he played year. five games or something before he got the boot. So that is a an interesting pick, but I would imagine, again, because their stars are sitting in their early 30s, they're probably looking at more like, who can we get that fits in our timeline better? Obviously, you got like, LeVar will sit here and tell you that they should pick LaMelo because <laughs> then you have all, th- all three of those dudes shooting in the Listen, backcourt. we cannot draft based on what LeVar Ball selling has to do. <laughs> like, that's not a good plan. But it, I, I will say, like, another big guard would be interesting to see shooting the ball. I just, I, I wonder if they look at Wiseman because of he's going to be better long term than the Looney or the Bogut or the whatever. But I, if I'm them, I shop it too. Not because Wiseman's not good, but just because the timelines don't match up. No, absolutely. I will say this Wiseman, even though he's 7 1, 
he's a modern NBA big. He's not Patrick Ewing. Right. I listen. I love Patrick Ewing. And Patrick Ewing in today's basketball <laughs> probably doesn't work, right? So he's not that. He's a guy who'll run up and down the floor, incredibly athletic. He's He will play defense. He will do everything that you need him to do. I actually think he fits in really well with Golden State because he can be in the death lineup. Now, you can switch things on the perimeter with him. Now, it's NBA talent, so obviously he's going to have to adjust to that, and there are going to be some it. issues there. He's not the level yeah. of shooter, but he's still offensively, you got to deal with him. So I think he makes a lot of sense in Golden State in the lineup as they try to kind of play. Like, he he could be really, really good for them. And he'd give them a dimension that they haven't had in terms of someone who, with the spacing that Golden State already commands because you have Clay and Steph, you cannot double-team him. So now he gets single coverage down in the post, working on his post moves, he's going to be a very difficult cover, even for NBA guys. Well, and I'm thinking about the pick and roll. You can have, you know, the Steph Curry floater, I don't want to say underrated part of his game, but because of his handle and because of his depth of his jump shot, we don't talk about it a lot. You could have the same kind of relationship that Harden and Compella had, where like you would know when Harden let it go if it was a floater or a pass. You could have the same pick and roll concept with Weissman and Steph, just because it's the same, the floater's just as deadly, and it could easily be a lob to Weissman, right? Like those are, those are the same kind of concepts that could be run um, plus step has the jump shot it's interesting because i think that basically what this ends up leaving is charlotte with that three pick and Lamelo ball kind of sitting there if anthony edwards goes one and wiseman goes two which that could be an interesting deal too Lamelo ball in charlotte michael jordan lavar balls talked all this smack and now he's actually got to face michael jordan because his son plays for the team and there's obviously there's going to be a shoe deal issue it's going to be so interesting if Lamelo actually ends up in charlotte but let's be real. This whole draft is about the team that's picking at number eight, the New York Knicks. And the question becomes, who's going to be left for the Knicks at eight? And I'm just looking at some of these guys. The Knicks need anything, by the way. So it's not like <laughs> the, Knicks <don't, laughs> the Knicks don't get the flexibility of positional need. They need anything that they could possibly get. I would love for Obi Toppin to be there. I don't think that he is. I think that ideally the Knicks would love to go guard. And there's a lot of good, solid point guards in this draft. The problem is, is that, man, I just feel like the top three guys are going to be gone if you throw Tyrese Halliburton in there with uh, Killian Hayes, the kid out of France, and then LaMelo Ball. I wouldn't mind seeing Cole Anthony actually end up a Nick because his dad actually played for the Knicks once upon a time. The Knicks drafted his dad out of UNLV, so that they drafted Cole Anthony. Maybe that can make some sense. I also think that he's a guy who uh, wants to score with the ball in his hands, which that's the NBA. Like You need guys on the perimeter who can initiate offense. I wonder how he and R.J. Barrett end up playing together, a Dukey and a Carolina guy. Both guys need the ball. (laughs) That being said, I would love for the Knicks to... To think guard, if Obi Toppin doesn't fall, I don't think that Obi Toppin is going to fall again. I think Obi Toppin is going to Chicago. So if I say to you, hey, Parker, what do the Knicks need? The Knicks need a lot of things. What are the Knicks <laughs> going to get with the number eight pick? Um, you know, I'm seeing one projection that has Toppin there, and if he's there, I think he's the pick, right? Um, so we'll just set that aside. What do you think about, you know, you're a much bigger college basketball fan than I am. What do you think about Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa State? He has to be healthy. If he's healthy, then he's solid. I also don't think he's going to be there. So, like, I'm looking at the uh, the lottery, and he makes sense in Cleveland because he's a guard. He's a point guard. They he's already have five. Colin Sexton, so yeah. you can get him to play point with Sexton. Now you develop that backcourt together. Um, even a team like Atlanta. So let's say Atlanta says, I don't, I understand they have Trey Young, but let's say Atlanta goes with the plan that I mentioned earlier, which is taking the guy who is really the point guard and saying, hey, listen, we're going to remove some of those point guard responsibilities and really make you off the ball too. Now all of a sudden you compare Halliburton with Trey Young, and maybe that looks good as well. I, Tyrese Halliburton, if you haven't seen him, when he's healthy, looks incredible. He's a very he's kind of traditional point guard type. So he's a facilitator more than a scorer. So any team that wants that facilitator would love to have him. The question is, can he be healthy? Yeah. So I, I was looking at him. Um, I also, I, I don't mean to keep plugging the DFW kid that went to New Zealand, but RJ Hampton is a fun pick. He might be more likely to be more like a mid-teens pick, so they might, that might not be what they want to do at the eight spot. What about this French kid? So Killian Hayes is 6'5", and as athletic as anything, and with the ball in his hands, he's, uh, he's, he's lightning. Like, he's, he's, he's quick, he can shoot, he has the experience of playing high-level basketball in Europe, and that's what he brings to the NBA. And so folks are going to make these kind of crazy Luka comparisons. He's not Luka. He's more athletic than Luka. Um, he's not the shooter that Luka is either. Uh, that being said, I think that Killian Hayes comes in and 
He's a he's a contributor on your team right away. And if you have a team that, I don't know, you feel like you got some young pieces, he's someone who can grow with those young pieces, and now you're going to have something in three years uh, when those guys are all playing together. I really like his game quite a bit. If you if you haven't seen him, just YouTube Killian Hayes. See some of the highlights. Uh, he's he's a solid player. Yeah. I, I just He's not going to be there if, when the Knicks are picking, I don't think. Well, so with the pandemic, I just don't know how it's going to impact how we scout and understand international players. That's fair. Maybe the pandemic they're... actually helps the Knicks to get the right. <laughs> God, well, because awesome. the because the deal is right is like we couldn't send folks over there and stuff to watch games for like half of a year at least, right? And and so that that gets in the way. I also think that I keep going with guards because I think that you know they've got a ton of power forwards on their roster right now and some sort of a guard to help run the offense would be nice. Um, the unfair thing to Killian Hayes is like you're saying as an international top ten pick, everyone's going to immediately compare him to Luca, and that's not really who he is, and that's not really fair, right? He it's just he's he might not be an all-star at 21 but that doesn't mean he's the wrong pick like that we can't jump on that train and expect everyone that plays pro at 18 in europe to become luka Doncic. he's not even the right luka comparison like the dude who you're going right. to compare to luka in this draft who's the international is the kid out of israel uh danny yes. of adija I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name but um He's going to be the guy who you compare because if you watch his game, he's a bit more of a shooter, perimeter oriented, even though he's 6'9. So he's probably the right comparison. But his size ends up playing out a lot like Luca's because he's 6'9, Luca's 6'7, he's 215, Luca's about 215, whereas Hayes is a much thinner 6'5. And so, like, I think that, that that difference is big there. But I don't know if Hayes or Avdija would normally be there at the eight spot because, but because of the international landscape, I just don't know what anything's going to look like. Let me say this. I think I want to end the segment here too, uh, which is it would be classic Knicks to take Obi Toppin because we already have 17 power forwards. So what's one more? Okay, Mr. Cummings, sticking with the NBA, except we're doing a little bit more current in the NBA uh, as opposed to the future of the NBA. We're going to look at names on the back of jerseys uh, because if you have not heard, the NBA has allowed players to say certain things in the back of the jerseys in the bubble. The thesis reads, equality was the worst nameplate option in the bubble. What do you think of that thesis, Mr. Cummings? That was not the worst option, so I'm going to give it an F. But that's not good, necessarily, either. So I'm curious as to what you think, Mr. Ainsworth. How are you going to grade this one? I'm thinking C-, because it's not the worst, like, on the list of approved ones. (laughs) That's where I'll leave that. All right, Mr. Cummings, you very quickly flunked this one. Um, and we've been chuckling about this for a while now. So explain to me your flunking. Equality is not necessarily like a great nameplate per se like when you start talking about diversity equity inclusion and we use the term equity versus the term equality it's intentional equality means everyone gets the same thing and the reality is maybe everyone doesn't need the same thing hence equality actually isn't what you want to work toward equity is what you want to work toward where everyone's allowed to be them full selves and then they're treated as they bring their full selves to the table with a sense of fairness and equity right so that's equity is a better term than equality and that i I'm looking at the list here. So <laughs> Mr. Ainsworth and I have just been laughing because we got the list pulled up of the 29 uh, nameplates that were approved for the NBA. And some of them are powerful, right? Black Lives Matter, say their names. I can't breathe. Power to the people. Like there's some of these that are powerful. And then there's stand up. <laughs> 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 Listen, I know they meant well, and we could do better. Um, <laughs> group economics. That's the worst one. That's I can't say it without laughing. Group economics is the worst one, in my mind. It. I don't even know if people even understand kind of the economic tentacles and why group economics even makes sense. Just that's bad. It doesn't. It should not be on the back. Um, mentor. <laughs> mentor. I guess I'm not opposed to mentor if, like, Udonis Haslam puts that on the back of his jersey. But, like, if you're not a real NBA mentor, you can't have that. Like, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, Tyler Hero put mentor on the back of his jersey? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm thinking, like, what if, like, Deion Waiters put mentor on the back of his? Like, come on. <laughs> like, that's a mislabeling. Like, no, we can't do that. Um, Can I tell you, I there's there's some ones that I think are kind of cool that I, I – so the – 
the si se puede, which is yes, we can in Spanish. Like, I think that that's pretty cool. And I do love the fact that some of the players who are international in nature were able to put things in the back of their jersey in their native tongue. I think that that was awesome. I saw Jokic do it. I saw uh, Luca did it. Uh, uh, Porzingis did it as well. So I think that stuff like that is kind of cool. Uh, that being said, yeah, I think group, group, ep- group economics is the worst. Stand up second, mentor third. In that order. All worse than equality, which is not good either. Uh, so, <laughs> Mr. Ainsworth, what are you thinking? Yeah, so I think that if I look at the list of approved names, equality is not my least favorite e- approved name. Um, I also will point out that you've got guys like LeBron and Jimmy Butler and guys that are just like, wait, you're going to tell us what we can and can't put on? They just keep my name there. Don't worry about all this other yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, especially when they saw that group economics was one of the options. They're like, well, screw it. I'll just, no, I'm cool. Yeah. I'll just do my own um, commercials. Like, <laughs> But of seeing the names that actually played out, like there's very few group economics. I think the only one I've seen, let me pull it out to be sure, but the only one I've seen with group economics was uh, Andre Iguodala. I'm, I'm pulling, I guess Anthony Tolliver also has it here. Really? I'm Shibari surprised that anyone chose that one. Wow. Um, Do you think they chose it? Do you think like the equipment manager is just like, nah, this is what you guys are getting? <laughs> well, s- some teams did choose though because the Dallas Mavericks all said either equality or the word equality in their native language because they're a very international looking team, which kind of lends itself to why I, I proposed this thesis as funny um, because it looks like to me equality is certainly being picked by people that look a certain way in the NBA. <laughs> Which you would. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more of a certain subsect of people in the NBA picking the word equality than any other phrase. <laughs> I, mean, I would expect that same subsect to pick ally. I did not see enough ally. Like I was expecting didn't a, see a whole lot of ally. Else. Didn't see a whole lot of ally. Didn't see a whole lot of anti-racist. But I just thought it was interesting <laughs> that with you know the Dallas Mavericks seem to really like a certain a very particular type of basketball player, and then their entire <laughs> team their entire team puts the word equality on the back of their jersey. And I was like, huh. <laughs> we are not means. an anti-Mavericks pod except for Parker who roots for the Rockets <laughs> and therefore well, hates the, the Mavericks oh and the funny thing is people that follow me on Twitter come back at me because I'll criticize one thing but the truth is I really do like watching Luka Doncic play basketball but that's not what we're talking about we're not talking about playing basketball here um, we're talking about nameplates on the back of their jerseys I've got to say you said you like Si Se Puede I thought that was kind of one of the funnier ones to see on the back of jersey. Uh, Jared Allen, Jared Allen, uh, wore Si Se Puede, and I follow Jared Allen's career fairly closely. I like, see, the guy that's why it's funny. Does he, ha- is he Hispanic in nature? Like, I, I, is he a Latinx person in terms of identity? So I had never found anything saying that. He's from outside of Austin. He actually went to my alma mater. He's much younger than I am, obviously, so I wouldn't have crossed paths, but. Um, I haven't found anything indicating that he is Latinx, but he did put Si Se Puede. So I guess, like, you know, growing up in Texas, you know different issues that afflict different groups of people. I don't mean to say he's got nothing to do with it. It just it was interesting. Like, huh, that's a, that's one way to go about it, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. Um, Black Lives Matter is, like, you know, one of the more powerful ones because while it's had a great six months as a, as a movement, for the majority of these seven or eight years that it's been a movement, it's kind of been, like, fringe, and it's really only become popular... You know, if you want to go to Kaepernick, you want to go more recently in the last six months. Um, it's kind of been like out there and now it's much more in here. It's funny to me though, and I don't mean to make the Black Lives Matter a funny movement at all. It's <laughs> funny. It's funny to me because it doesn't really fit on a jersey. Like it, it like arches the whole jersey. Listen, <laughs> Shea Gilgis Alexander has lived this experience his whole life. So he knows when you got the long last name, you just got to arc all the way around. Yeah, that's a tough yeah. deal. <laughs> well, I thought it was funny because Shea has equality across the top of his but then under his number they've added Gilgis Alexander and it looks like it doesn't fit the other he way. basically can't tuck his jersey in because if he does you can't see his name like that's how that works um yeah so anyway I I some of the cooler ones like Stephen Adams put uh Kiakaha, which is power to the people or like in, in his native tongue right different native tongues have produced some of the cooler ones you know what I wish they 
the NBA would have just given some more flexibility, especially with our international players. Give them some more flexibility to actually speak to issues that actually feel like it's first person, it's pertinent to them. Like, I think that it would be more powerful for a Puerto Rican player to talk about the hurricane and what's still going on in Puerto Rico in terms of people's lack of electricity and access to clean water. Like, that's a social justice issue that's pertinent to him. You know what I mean? Or even right. Stephen Adams to be able to speak on behalf of the Aboriginal peoples and how they're treated in Australia and in New Zealand. Like, I think that that would have been a lot more powerful than saying, you have to pick from one of these 29 prescribed messages, which is why I get, like, LeBron James being like, no. And we talked about Jimmy Butler a couple of pods ago. Like, his idea was clever, but the NBA just put the kibosh on that as quick as they could. A little bit more flexibility by the NBA. You know what this feels like? This feels like something the WNBA would have done better. Well, they and they did. If you watch, they all have a black <laughs> nameplate with Breonna Taylor's name on it. The NBA tried to steer away from having individual names that have become hashtags because they didn't want to drudge up bad memories for families watching or whatever. But it, it really, I think, the WNBA's Bre- Breonna Taylor statements on the back of all of their jerseys has kind of done a much more much stronger stance but you go no surprise the WNBA did it better so it's also funny because the NBA in guiding the message with these 29 obviously stayed away from some that there might be players who support like if there would be something about Flint Michigan in the water situation I think you could find some NBA players who'd be behind that or even NBA players who might want to have defund the police on the back of their jerseys see the NBA stayed away from those and they were like but if you want to talk about group economics all good like (laughs) if you want (laughs) to stand up we're fine (laughs) and it's funny we we a few pods back if we gold started attention john morant for had bleep 12 on the back of a jersey that was posted on his instagram okay but Um, we understand why the nba couldn't do that one right (laughs) yeah but he put enough 12 right because it says enough and then his number is 12 and so it's actually a very like cool sentiment or dame lillard where's number zero famously for oakland zero oakland right but he put like how many more with a question mark and then his jersey number zero is right below that like some some of those did end up pretty cool can i just Um, say that those seem a lot more powerful now that you explained to me like that that's what was being done which only makes me wonder like did you read that like is are we sure that that's what they were doing because if that's what they were doing those are really powerful if that's not then you are really powerful for bringing that in i love the philosophy that you just brought to the podcast well and looking at and looking at those two in particular i think those guys were very intentional there might be some other ones but like i think this stuff's pretty cool because it's a chance for guys to you know not to go like full he hate me like the old xfl but it was a chance to be a little bit more personable and then like being personable here's your chance to be like a you know individual and then saying equality it's like well, that's that's not really very individual <laughs> well now i'm also starting to question the how many more like if you got that in your jersey and your number's not zero you feel like a jerk don't you how many more 73 what what that's we're actually putting a number on it that's so crazy um yeah these uh i'm still reading through here justice now not necessarily i don't know i don't feel that one uh liberation i kind of like the see us and the hear us and the respect us and the love us i think if a starting lineup would have kind of came out with those that could have been a cool thing like if you saw five guys we needed one more us unfortunately we only got four so that's a tough starting lineup i guess listen to us is there too so yeah you got five five. with that that'd be kind of cool see yeah Um, now i'm looking at these and i'm like okay how many of these can we group together and make like a pretty cool message like almost a a poem of some sort as history teachers i also i like the i am a man hearkening back to the march in memphis like the grizzlies could have all had that that would have been cool the grizzlies didn't all do that but mike conley as a long time grizzly even though he's in utah now did um i guess we're a little too late for the nba to have gotten good trouble in there but friends that is another edition of f in sports you know, Parker, there's a question I didn't ask you about our last segment. If you could have picked a nameplate, what would you put on the back of your jersey? How about you tell folks what you would choose, and then you can pick anything, too, and then you can hit us with your socials. Well, I mean, I think as if I'm choosing from this list of 29 as a white guy, I'd have picked something like anti-racist or ally, partially because I, I don't like the way that the Black Lives Matter fits, and I, that's very, very... You know, maybe just could I put like BLM, like just the acronym? Maybe that fits better. Why um, not? <laughs> uh, but anyway, you can find me on Twitter and tell me what I should put on the back of my jersey at Painsworth512. That's P A I N S W O R T H 512. All one word on Twitter or Instagram. Uh, we also have a show Twitter handle. It's at FN Sports 2, F I N S P O R T S, the number two, all one word on Twitter. And uh, I'll dash PA. 
Shackle-CC, as you'll be able to tell that I apparently ripped off one of his gold stars last week because he dashed a CC and I didn't <laughs> see it. Um, Shaka, we also have an Instagram. We do have an Instagram. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find me, all my social media is at Shaka Cummings, at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. That's both my Insta and my Twitter. And it's I'm laughing because Parker's like, you'll see us dash P-A dash C-C. Listen, guys, we have to figure out how to do this teaching thing, both remote and in person. So you might not see us on Twitter for the next, I don't know, several months. <laughs> that being said... Please make sure that you go out, like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things that help out the podcast. Thank you for listening. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.